Welcome to the Hannah Miller Show. And here she is, Hannah Miller. Outspokenly conservative and unashamedly Christian, this is Hannah Miller, and this is what happened this week. So what I'm going to cover in this podcast really fast, I'm going to do some takeaways from Election Festival Month as it has proceeded so far. It's unbelievable how long it takes uh, us at certain counties, certain states to count up votes so or ballots. So I'm going to cover what I can and y'all will just have to just everybody be aware that, you know, some of these numbers and some of this information could change as uh, as time and days pass. And uh, but this is just the most up to date information that I have. And a lot of it, I'm not really going to give you uh, specific numbers on some things because the outcome of the election is still very much in doubt. And I think it's a little premature to draw too many conclusions about the actual ballots and, and certain things, because as of this moment, there's still something like uh, 40 House seats uh, up. And I can't remember how many in the Senate are still being determined and three governorships. So we're still waiting on all of that information. And I'm not going to do a lot of projection about those things. But I do want to talk about some other things and talk about this election cycle. So I got seven or eight takeaways that we're going to go through, uh, something around in there. I forget what actual number. And then we're going to talk about that New York Times five ways to handle your stress, your election anxiety, election stress. So we're going to do the second half of the show today covering that. And I'm going to actually, I'm putting my counselor's hat, my biblical counselor's hat back on this week. And we're going to talk about, do kind of a truncated version of a lesson that I do on anxiety. And so we're, I'm going to cover some of those points, but I'll do it quicker for you guys than I would in my full lesson that I do. So we'll cover that when we get to the second half of the show. All right. So jumping right in the very first takeaway that I have for this election cycle. Number one, banning mail-in ballots and ballot harvesting, requiring a voter ID, and creating, creating an election police force. Those things are the way forward in establishing election integrity. As Dan O'Donnell tweeted, and I'm paraphrasing this tweet, the third largest state in America that was devastated by a hurricane a month ago got 10 million ballots counted in two hours. But it takes medium-sized Democrat-run counties five days to count a few hundred thousand ballots. Great point. And the banning banning mail-in ballots and banning ballot harvesting, requiring a voter ID, and creating an election police force are all things that DeSantis and his folks did in Florida. And I think, you know, there was, what year was it? Was George W. Bush, uh, 2000, that we had the huge debacle with Florida and it just took forever. Uh, And they, Florida, you know, they realized then and they've been improving things ever since then. So not all of this belongs to the, not all of the responsibility for this belongs to DeSantis, but he has reinforced it and they have been doing a lot of work, his administration and himself but others as well in Florida before him. So, and we and we're seeing the fruit of that and in Florida and the fact that even with all this devastation, even with being such a large state, they're able to get things done and get things done quickly, which which means that it can be done. It can be done. It doesn't have to take days and days and days. So, 
That's the first thing. Second thing, there are now three political parties in the United States. Democrats, Republicans, and Ron DeSantis. (laughs) DeSantis successfully created a new political party centered around unbending conviction, common sense wisdom, and disciplined conduct. Look, as Horowitz over at The Blaze pointed out, he said there is a greater gulf between DeSantis and most prominent Republicans than between Republicans and Democrats. And I'll say it again. Republicans and Democrats are a uniparty. Because he's got a great point. There is a bigger gulf between DeSantis and most prominent Republicans than there is between Republicans and Democrats. One party just happens to be speeding towards the cliff at 200 miles per hour and the other at 95 miles per hour. Meanwhile, DeSantis is driving in the opposite direction. He's the genuinely different opposite option. All right, number three. DeSantis accomplishing a plus 20 victory, winning multiple diehard blue counties and a large contingency of minorities all while fighting for the things the GOP has long said will always lose, and that would be culture war issues, in the third largest state that is the most expensive, most diverse swing state in the country with multiple urban centers demonstrates that conservatives are being sold out in the Republican plus 20 plus 30 rural states and have been for years. And what I mean by that is this. In the rural, dyed-in-the-wool red states, Republicans and their policies should win big every election cycle. Do not believe them when they tell you they can't pass life at conception pro-life bills, that they can't drastically lower taxes, that they can't resist biomedical tyranny, that they can't protect your parental rights. And the list goes on and on. You do not have to compromise on the culture war. And as a matter of fact, that compromise that we've been told that we have to do in order because it's just politics, politics is always them giving a little and us giving a little, which is baloney because we all know the Democrats don't, they don't ever give, and more on that in a second. But that compromise has gotten us two generations of young people riddled with anxiety who don't know what their gender is, celebrate the mass murder of babies in the womb, who hate the United States, and overwhelmingly overwhelmingly vote for Marxism, all because they've been indoctrinated in our government-funded schools. How? Because liberals play the long game and conservatives compromised a long time ago. We have nothing left to lose, y'all. Compromising and the idea that we cannot go all in because we won't ever win in politics, does not fly anymore, because even when we only go 2%, we lose. (laughs) The Democrats take no prisoners. DeSantis went all in, in the most diverse swing state in the country, and he won by a historic 20-point margin. We don't have to always lose. That's my point. Number five. Four, sorry. Other than a few outliers, Republicans have no vision and stand for nothing. And as a result, point number five, according to conservative writer Mark Thyssen, quote, we had the worst inflation in four decades, the worst collapse in real wages in 40 years, 
the worst crime wave since the 1990s, the worst border crisis in U.S. history. We have Joe Biden, who's the least popular president since Harry Truman, since presidential polling happened, and there wasn't a red wave. That is a searing indictment of the Republican Party. That is a searing indictment of the message that we have been sending to the voters. They've looked at all of that and looked at the Republican alternative and said no thanks. You get what I'm saying? Point number five. Voters said no thank you to the Republican alternative to Democrat policies. But they did say, yes, I would like some more, please, to the DeSantis alternative, which reestablishes the point that I made earlier that there are three, there are now three Republican party, or three political parties in the United States of America. Number six, after the 2020 election, I predicted a massive level of dissatisfaction with the Democrat party, which came true. If you looked at all the polling going into the election, a vast majority of folks were very unsatisfied with the direction of the country, with the current administration, with Joe Biden, all of these things. And I made the statement that Republicans had better ready the lifeboats for voters jumping the Democrat ship. Unfortunately, by and large, the GOP simply offered another sinking ship full of weak political strategies and milk toast leaders at best. You see, I believe Americans... They are looking for something different, which is why DeSantis received such broad support. Americans, I believe, are weary of getting the same old, same old from both the GOP and the Democrats. Americans are, are rightly discerning that while the Republican and Democrat Party platforms are different by a country mile, in practice, there's actually very little difference between the two prominent parties. Which brings me to my final takeaway. The reason there is very little difference in practice between the two political parties is because there's very little integrity within politicians. And the reason there's very little integrity is because integrity is rooted in morality. And morality co comes from a biblical worldview. And you cannot have a biblical worldview if you do not actually read and know the Bible. Going to church once a week and praying over your dinner isn't going to develop a strong biblical moral compass nor establish biblical integrity. Which means, which means, we won't see change in our politics until the American people take God and the Bible seriously and thereby demand real integrity from our politicians. Because again, politics, it is downstream of culture. Culture is the downstream of church and the church is downstream of the family and the family is downstream of the father. I've said that before, and I'll say it again. Fathers, families have to lead the way in the home. In the home towards a biblical worldview, a biblical apologetic, a biblical moral compass. And that will trickle down into the churches, into the culture, into politics. And you'll begin to see politicians actually adhering to the things that they say that they're going to stand for. It is your job and my job as parents to make sure that our homes 
emanate the gospel. That our speech is saturated with the gospel. And that our conduct is rooted in and directed by the gospel. That is when the culture ultimately changes. Hey, this is Bob, the producer of this podcast. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know you can always get your questions into us. Ask us anything. Feel free to email me at bob at bobsloan.com, B-O-B at B-O-B-S-L-O-N-E dot com. Or you can always find that information and more in the show notes. Now back to Hannah. So the New York Times put out an infographic about handling election day stress, anxiety, blah, 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 blah. And they did that this week heading into Tuesday. And I want to respond to it and offer some biblical counsel on handling anxiety, whether the election caused you anxiety or not. Uh, First, I want to point out that nothing they suggested was necessarily unbiblical per se. But they, it wasn't enough. That was... That was what was lacking, or that was the problem with it, was that it was lacking. And, you know, it was things like doing, you know, the the five-finger breathing method and, and dumping your face in a bowl of cold water and, you know, taking a walk and things like that, that they're not unbiblical. There's nothing wrong with, you know, trying to do breathing exercises or taking a walk and getting fresh air and, and all of that. Their suggestions, those are helpful aids. But they are not enough for us as spiritual beings. So I'm gonna I'm gonna offer these points uh, here quickly. If you would like to hear my entire presentation on on anxiety, I'm more than I'm more than willing to come and and do that lesson sometime. Uh, I I love giving that presentation. It's a very uh, near and dear one to me, and it always resonates with audiences. But I'm gonna kind of give a brief version. Number one, spend time in the word, pursuing the peace that passes all understanding. Number two, fill your home and heart with music and scripture that helps you rejoice in the Lord and reminds you of all that you have to be grateful for, i.e. that Jesus Christ who loves you and gave himself up for us. Number three, remember that God is sovereign and in control yesterday, today, and forever. We do not need to be anxious when our days and our country are held in the hands of a good and just God who has promised to work everything out for our good. Maybe not our comfort, but for our spiritual good. Number four, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. God cares about you and our country. He does. Take these things to him. Sometimes all we need, the the therapy that we need, is just to speak these things out and lay them at somebody else's feet. That's why a lot of folks go to therapy and they just want to talk to somebody. And we can do that to the Lord. And it's somebody who genuinely loves you and cares for you. Number five, on this one, and this was the number five point that the New York Times had. I actually agree with the New York Times. Stay off social media. (laughs) And I'll add the legacy media. 
get off of the 24-hour merry-go-round of information and drama. It's not healthy and it's not beneficial. You do not need to saturate your mind in politics and drama 24 hours a day or even just, and I'm putting air quotes around that, roughly eight hours a day, which is the average amount of time spent consuming online content according to usage data. Do you get that? The average person is online for about eight hours a day consuming information. And it's not a healthy way to live because a lot of that stuff is just drama. A lot of the 24-hour news cycle is just drama. You do not have to do that and consume information like that. The news, 24 hours, 8 hours, 3 hours a day. You don't have to do it. You don't have to spend hours a day consuming the news to be a well-informed person. You don't have to do it. My dad is one of the most politically well-informed people that I know in in my or I have known in my entire life. And he he reads the new, newspaper and which you know, the sections, the politics sections that he reads take maybe 30 minutes. He reads books throughout the the week, but he has a bi-weekly magazine that he receives, that he's received for about 40 years, called The New American, that I frequently rely on myself. Their research, their writers, their journalists do excellent work. And that's pretty much it. And he's incredibly well-informed on the Constitution and on the United States of America and the goings-on in our country. So anyway, that's just that's a... Just a tidbit. So that's the first five things that I would say. Lastly, and this is what comes from the the talk that I do on anxiety. I want us to be reminded that no matter what this life brings, we know that the Lord has already rescued us from an eternity spent in hell. What can man, what can this earth do to me when my eternity is secure in his hand? Psalm 91, 1 through 2 tells us, when we dwell in the shelter of the Most High, we will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And then in Mark 4 and 5, which was the basis for the this uh, message that I do on anxiety. Mark 4, verses 35 through 41, Jesus displays his power and sovereignty over creation when he calms the ocean. And then in Mark 5, verses 1 through 20, Jesus shows us his power and sovereignty over the spiritual realm when he casts out a legion of demons. And then in Mark 5, 24 through 34, Jesus demonstrates his power and sovereignty over physical illness when he healed the woman with the hemorrhage. And then in Mark 5, 21 through 24 and Mark 5, 35 through 45, Jesus imparts his power and sovereignty over death when he raised the daughter of Jairus. And the stories found in Mark 4 and 5 beautifully illustrate for us the power Christ has over all aspects of our lives, whether temporal trials or eternal separation from a holy God. So whether he rescues us from any earthly trial or not, he has already rescued us from our eternal condemnation. We can have faith in our current hopeless situation because in the grand scope of eternity, this temporal trial is but a vapor. He will deliver us because he already has. 
Thank you for listening to The Hannah Miller Show. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions. If you'd like to find out more about Hannah or to schedule her for a speaking event, go to her website, thehannamillershow.com. 